I'm not saying buying a home at some point is a bad idea. What I'm saying is most of us were taught to rush out and buy a home as soon as we possibly can. And that is the bad advice. That is the bad idea. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another mini episode of For the Love of Money episodes that I like to call My Two Cents. And today, My Two Cents is getting brave. Like, I'm going to address a really big and controversial topic that so many people debate out there and that so many people wonder about out there and that the bulk majority of, you know, Americans or or people listening have wrong. And that is this is homeownership the right move? Should you rush out and buy a home right away? So I'm going to address this financial urban legend that's been fed to you by people that loved you, but quite honestly, they didn't know any better. They were just following the advice that somebody else gave them and somebody else gave them without ever stopping to actually run the numbers on it. And I'm also going to say it's probably given to you by people who, except for a few rare cases out there, weren't exactly financially savvy, meaning they're not sitting around with millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. No, instead, it was given to you by people such as your parents, your teachers, your coaches, and they meant really, really well, and they told you to rush out and buy a home as soon as you possibly can, and that was like, it's going to be your biggest asset, and this is the, the best number one piece of advice that they could possibly give you. And again, they meant well, except, well, by the end of this thing, you're going to see if they were right or if they were wrong. So here's one of the biggest financial myths that has ever been passed down that is actually not that good of financial advice at all. And that is this. Rush out and buy a home as soon as possible. Like homeownership is the American dream. When you get there, now you can puff your chest out. Now you can brag a little bit. Now you've made a good move and it's going to be your biggest asset and you're safe, right? I mean, it sounds logical after all. Aren't you, and I'm going to quote the most common phrase used here, aren't you throwing away all your money if you're renting? I mean, on the surface, it would seem that way. The problem is too many people make financial decisions on the surface without actually doing the work. Now, a few caveats here. There are many great reasons to own a home. For example, It's your family home that you want to be in forever. You know that you never, ever, ever, ever want to move from it. You want to raise kids in it. You want the kids to come back to it and bring your grandkids to it. And that has more meaning to you than making a sound financial decision. And that's okay, by the way. It is absolutely and utterly okay to place more value on a sentimental feeling than it is on a good financial move. So let's just get that one out of the way because we're going to be talking finances here. Remember, I said this is financial advice passed on to you to buy a home as soon as humanly possible to get that American dream of home ownership. The other thing I want to point out is this. I'm not saying buying a home at some point is a bad idea. What I'm saying is most of us were taught to rush out and buy a home as soon as we possibly can. And that 
is the bad advice. That is the bad idea. With enough patience and with the right moves that I'm going to walk you through in this episode, I'm all for you going out and buying your forever home where you get to have family gatherings at and the whole nine yards. Now, we were taught growing up that instead of renting, we should buy a home as fast as humanly possible. As a matter of fact, I'm even going to say there's a lot of ego involved around it. People who rent sometimes feel ashamed for renting, like they're somehow less than people who are not currently homeowners. I have owned, let me do the math really quick. I'm doing it on the fly here. One, two, three, four, five. I have owned 11 properties, I think, maybe 10. I've owned 10 properties. And Lori and I currently lease our big, beautiful home that we are in for a good strategic reason. Another friend of mine, Grant Cardone, he owns over $1.2 billion in investment real estate, but he currently leases his primary condo in Miami. So why in the world would people like us with all this money ever lease a home? Aren't we throwing it all away? Well, let's do a little bit of math to find out. Now, yes, when you buy a home, it appreciates. And that's part of the advice that your parents gave you when they passed it along or heaven forbid, your local realtor gave you. And remember, they have a commission attached to that advice. By the way, so does the title companies. So does the National Association of Realtors. So do the banks. All of these huge institutions have massive commissions attached to telling you that this is a good idea. But yes, a home does appreciate over time in most areas. And in some areas, way more than in other areas. It's very location specific. But it doesn't appreciate as much as you think when you factor in the cost of homeownership and inflation. Here's what I mean. Historical, and by the way, I'm about to give you a lot of math, a lot of percentages. I will go slow and I will summarize it at the end for you, okay? So you'll get the punchline at the end that'll make it all make sense. But try and stay with me here. Historical home appreciation has averaged 4% since we started tracking it in the 60s. So this means the average home year over year over year has gone up 4% per year. So if you bought it for 100,000, the next year it was worth 104. If you bought it for 200,000, the next year it went up 4%, it's worth 208,000, right? So historical home appreciation has averaged 4% since we started tracking it in the 60s. This, of course, accounts for all the high years where we had homeowner bubbles, where it went up really high, and all of the bad years, like all the recessions that we've had that have been cyclical. So we've averaged 4% appreciation through history. Now, mortgage rates today, when you borrow money, you have a mortgage and you have to pay an interest rate on it. Mortgage rates today are at an all-time low. They hover around three and a half to four and a half percent on any given day, depending if you want a 20 year or 30 year mortgage. Now, when my parents bought their first home, interest rates were 17 and 18 percent. When I bought my first home, everyone was talking about how great rates were, and they were 7.5 to 8 percent. Then, you know, today, here we are sitting with mortgage rates around four percent as the national average on any given day. So you couldn't possibly have a better time to buy a home using a mortgage than right now. And I'm going to use this best case scenario to still debunk 
this idea of rushing out and buying a home as soon as you possibly can. So let's use the best case scenario of 4% interest on your mortgage. So let's start with the obvious math. Here's a very easy exchange. If your home appreciates at 4%, but you're paying 4% interest on the mortgage for that home, you are going absolutely nowhere. Congratulations, your home went up by 4%, but you had to pay out 4% in your mortgage. Now, the key is this. You never stop to do the math. You just call it a house payment, and it's all wrapped up in there. All you do is say, oh, yay, look at Zillow said that my home went from 200,000 to 210,000 this year. That was a good decision. You're not factoring in the other stuff. So the obvious math is this. If your home appreciates 4% and you're paying a 4% interest rate on your mortgage, you're going absolutely nowhere. You're still at zero. Now, that might not be a fair assessment for a few of you by itself because somebody out there might only be paying 4% on a $100,000 mortgage while the home is worth $200,000 and appreciating at 4% of $200,000. So in this scenario, sure, they'd be making a little bit of money. But let's remember this urban legend that I'm addressing is this advice to rush out and buy a home as soon as possible instead of renting because renting is, you know, quote, throwing your money away. And thus, because I'm talking about rushing out and doing it in the early stages of your career when you, you know, when you're a young adult, 99.9% of you will not be putting half down on your home. You'll be putting the national average down payment of zero to three and a half percent down. In other words, you'll be financing 90%, 97% of the damn thing. So again, you're going nowhere if you're appreciating at 4% and paying a mortgage of the same value at 4%. Now, there's more expenses. We haven't added in property taxes yet. They vary greatly from state to state and city to city. In most cities, property taxes are about 1% of the home's value. In many cities, like in the Chicago area, Right now, it's 3 to 4% of the home's value. So that's crazy in itself that you're paying that much in uh, property taxes to own that home. But let's use the national average of 1% of the property value. So now in our scenario, even though your home appreciated at 4% for a year, you've lost 4% on your mortgage interest and now another 1% on your property taxes. So congratulations, this great decision of owning a home, you now went backward that year, year over year by 1%. But wait, there's more, as they say, right? Closing costs, when you buy the home, realtor's fees, when you sell the home, repairs, remodels, mandatory homeowner's insurance, like on and on and on. Let's factor these things in. So Zillow reports that the average home buyer pays two to 5% in closing costs when they buy it. This is like a point on the mortgage and title insurance and real estate taxes and you know, all those things that you have to pay upfront when you buy your home. So let's go low. Again, let's paint a best case scenario. Let's like actually try and make a case for homeownership. So let's go low and say it's only 3%. That means that in your first year of homeownership, if it costs you 3% in closing costs to acquire the home and it appreciates 4% that next year, but you have to pay one more percent in your um, property taxes, 
you've still gone nowhere. And that hasn't even factored in your mortgage insurance yet. So the first year, you're guaranteed to lose money by at least 3 or 4% on this home. I mean, guaranteed. And that's, by the way, if you don't have a single repair or a single remodel when you move in, which we all know is not the case. What's the first thing you do? You get in there, you paint the walls, you knock a wall out, you, you buy some new furniture, you, know, you get a new furnace or a new roof, you spruce up the yard. It's inevitable when you move in. You want to make it yours. All right. So, so far we're below zero on this home purchase. Now to sell your home, the average realtor's fees across America are between five and 6%. And you pay another 1% in closing costs to get out of your home. So that would be six to 7%. Again, let's go low. Let's use 6% to sell your dang home. Are you following me? Because just to buy your home and then to sell your home, you've spent nine to 10% of its value. Whoa. So even if homes appreciate on average at 4% per year, you'd have to live there for three years before even getting above zero. In other words, you couldn't buy that home and sell it the next year. And you couldn't buy that home and even sell it in two years and make any money. You'd still lose money. I have friends, by the way, that just tried to do this. They bought a home. It was a great home. They put all sorts of money into it, like $40,000 worth of improvements. They thought they were making all the right improvements. A year and a half has gone by and they're like, ooh, my neighborhood's gone up a little bit. I'm hearing that homes are hot. I'm going to try and sell it. So what'd they do? They went to the realtor and they said, hey, Mr. Realtor, would you list our home? And the realtor said, sure, absolutely. Let's see here. It looks like you bought your home for $700,000. Great job. You got in there at a really good price. Um, it looks like your average home sale right now in this neighborhood for a home like this after your improvements is around $800,000. Hey, not bad in a year, year and a half. Oh, but after you pay my realtor's fees and the closing costs, and after you count the fees that you paid to acquire the home... Well, that's 10% of that $800,000. That's 80,000. So after it sells, well, I'll probably have a check for about $20,000 for you. And they're like, what? I just put 40 grand into this thing to get it up here. See, urban legend. All right, so let's keep going here and account for a lot of these costs. Remember, we just established that it costs 3% or more to get into the home and 6% to sell the home. So that's 9% of the home's value just to buy it and sell it. So you'd have to live there for three years before even getting to zero. But the hidden costs get worse. National average for homeowners insurance, because you have to insure your home. It's a law if you have a loan on it, is about one half of a percent per year. So for a $200,000 home, National average for homeowners insurance is about $1,000 for that year, a half a percent per year. And then repairs and maintenance. Now, I'm not talking about like the furnace goes out or the roof goes out or something big. Normal maintenance, according to US News and World Report in the United States, says that normal maintenance averages 2% of the home's value per year. That's keeping up the yard. That's like, you know, fixing little leak here, like the small stuff, just keeping the home like appearance up. That's the average 2% per year. That does not, again, count big things like cracked driveways or you need a new roof or a leaky basement, which my brother-in-law has, or a new fridge and appliances that went out or a water heater that went out, which just happened in our home, even though it's only three years old, or a furnace goes out. It's not counting the big things. 2% just to keep the damn thing up. So far, if you're following me, here's what we have. 
your home will average 4% appreciation per year. Yay, it's going up. But your annual costs of owning that home are as follows. 4% a year in mortgage interest, 1% per year in property taxes, a half a percent a year in homeowner's insurance, and 2% a year in normal maintenance. Guys, that is 7.5% per year just in ownership costs. In other words, after factoring in your 4% appreciation, which is the reason why everyone tells you to go out and buy a home, you're still losing 3.5% per year on this home. Great investment, right? And here's what makes it such a trap. Here's what tricks your brain. Most people hear the stories or they see the calculations where somebody buys their home for $200,000 and they live in it for 30 years. And 30 years later, it's worth $650,000. Oh my God, my $200,000 home turned into $650,000. And yes, by the way, that's exactly what it would be worth using 4% appreciation for 30 years, 650 grand. Now, that sounds like a pretty good deal, right? Invest 200 grand and 30 years later, it's worth $650,000, except hello, that's 30 years later. Have you seen what a home looks like? When it's 30 years old, trust me, you need to sink some serious money into that thing to update it, to, to get some new appliances, to do all the things if you're even going to sell it to anybody and get this fortune out of it. My other gripe is this. People are like, ooh, look at all the equity in my home. I, I lived there for 30 years. I paid 200 grand for it. It's now worth 650. But if you don't sell the home, you can't even touch your own money, your own equity without getting a home equity loan and thus paying four or 5% on using your own money. It's ridiculous. So let's keep going. This new fortune of yours, you invested $200,000 and 30 years later, it was worth 650 grand, right? That's the big reason that people tell you to own a home and that why it'll be your biggest asset. And assuming you had a 30-year mortgage and you never refinanced it and you did a good job paying it off, this is all of your money sitting there that you get to do what you want with if you sell it. But there's a catch. And that catch is this. We have not yet factored in inflation. Inflation is a term for how much value the dollar loses each year, year after year. So average inflation for the past 100 years in the United States has averaged 2.5% per year. What that means is that every year, the buying power of $1 goes down by 2.5%. So factor that inflation into your new your home's new $650,000 value 30 years from now and that $650,000 ready for this is only worth $309,000 in today's dollars. That 650 grand you're so excited about actually only buys what 309 grand buys in today's dollars. Or simply put, you've waited 30 years for your $250,000 investment to grow to $309,000 in buying power in today's dollars. That is not a very good return on your investment. And again, that is not factoring in the 7.5% in annual costs that we figured out earlier. So now you're really losing your butt on this thing. So I know I've thrown a lot of percentages at you, but what does this all mean for you if we simplify it to dollars? Here we go. 
adding in your appreciation of 4% per year, yay, it's going up, minus the inflation, the loss of a, you know, the value of a dollar of 2.5% per year, minus 7.5% in ownership costs, and factoring in the 3% to acquire it and the 6% to sell it, divided into 30 years of owning it, you are now losing 6.3% every single year on your home if you live there for 30 years. You're losing after factoring in the appreciation 6.3% every year on your home. So what does that mean in real dollars? Well, the national home value right now, the average home value is $250,000 in the United States. So you're losing 6.3% of $250,000. In other words, you're losing $15,750 per year by owning that home. Divide that by 12 months in a year, and you're now losing approximately $1,325 per month by owning that home. Again, not factoring any emergencies or massive repairs in. That would just be, take it from you know sucky to even suckier. So you are losing... per month by owning that home when all of the dust settles. So if you're losing $1,325 a month by owning the average home in America, that's the equivalent to spending $1,325 per month to rent the place. Either way, you're ending up at zero. Follow me? So you could rent the same place for $1,325 and you'd end up at absolute zero. Now, you can use this rule of thumb, this $1,325 loss per month to decide on if it's smart to rent versus own. And it's very easy. After factoring in every advantage of homeownership and every disadvantage of homeownership, if you were to rent a similar place for $1,325 a month, you're breaking even. You're not burning your money, as they say. You're breaking even. And in case you're wondering, the house payment for the average home in America, $250,000 value, including insurance and taxes, is $1,580 per month. On the average home in America, your house payment is $1,580 per month, $255 higher than our rent target of $1,325 per month. Now, I know what you're thinking, but if I rent, I won't have anything to show for it after all these years. But you're wrong. Because first of all, You got a safe roof over your head, somewhere to live. Like, where's the gratitude? That has value to it. But even better, and remember, we're just talking investment-wise here, even better. If you took your down payment of $8,750 that you would have to make to buy that home, and where did I get that number from? I used an FHA first-time homeowner uh, loan, 3.5% down on the average $250,000 home in America. So if you took your down payment of $8,750 plus added that $255 per month difference that you're saving between renting uh, a place versus having that average mortgage payment and you put it into a simple low-fee index fund through Vanguard or Fidelity Online or any one of those, which has averaged almost 9% per year, by the way, since the 1950s in appreciation. And that's even counting Black Friday in 1987, the Great Recession in 2007, 2008. It's counting all the dips. It's still gone up 9% per year. 
your $255 per month plus your small down payment of $87.50 to start the fund that you would have used as a um, down payment on your home. Are you ready for this? Adding in $255 per month, the difference between renting and buying into this low fee index fund would be worth $570,700 30 years from now. Sitting there in cash. By renting at $13.25 a month instead of buying the average home at $250, which is a $1,580 payment, putting that difference into a low fee index fund, so simple to open up online, month after month, $255 a month into that thing, would be worth $570,700 30 years from now, sitting there in cash. Now, there's more reasons not to rush into a home ownership outside of the math that I just gave you. For example, when you rent or lease, you have more predictability over your budget, over your spending, because there's not the surprise leak in the roof. There's not the surprise crack in the driveway. There's not the surprise leak in the basement or the furnace going out. You know, the number one thing for credit card debt out there for responsible spenders is either medical bills or home repair bills that they had no control over. That's why people are buried in credit cards. So they did what their parents told them. They rushed out. They bought a home as soon as possible. They bought an older home in most cases because you know they're a new homeowner and they don't have a lot of money yet. And before they knew it, they're putting a furnace on the credit card, a refrigerator on the credit card, a leaky basement on the credit card, you name it. That's why they're sitting there in unsecured debt. So when you rent or lease, you have more predictability over your spending, over your budget. Another argument that a lot of people have used to tell you to buy a home is that you used to be able to deduct all of the taxes and the interest that you paid on your home off of your income taxes. But now even that has gotten dramatically reduced after the last round of tax changes and phased out as your income grows. And in many cases, it's disappeared altogether. So that's not even a perk of owning a home anymore. Your goal should be to rent a similar place that you could buy for less then you would buy that comparable place and invest the difference every month into a low fee index fund. Because then you're going to wake up 30 years from now and have that 570 grand in cash sitting there. But then there's a second step. Step one, invest the difference in a low fee index fund. Still have a roof over your head of a comparable place. Step two, after investing that difference, after you got that set up, if you really want to own some property, Start buying investment properties like duplexes and fourplexes, which are income producing. They're going to pay you a tiny profit every single month. Slowly buy enough of them until the positive cash flow from the investment properties could actually pay a mortgage on your own home that you wanted to live in. And then buy that home to live in with that profit from the investment properties. I mean, look how cool the scenario is. You're renting, you're putting the small difference away in a low fee index fund. You're going to wake up 30 years from now with 500 grand or more in that fund. You started buying some rental properties where the rent pays the mortgage on the property plus a tiny profit. You get another, you get another, you get another. And if you're patient enough after a handful of years, you're turning enough profit each month on those rental properties to pay a full mortgage payment on your own home if you then want to buy a home and live in it because you'd be living in it for free based off the profits from the rental property properties. How cool is that? This way, you're going to wake up in 20, 30 years 
have that big chunk of money sitting over there from the index fund. You're going to have a whole bunch of income generating properties that are paid off and your own home that is paid for for free. That's how you do it. That's how you build wealth. That should be your home ownership plan right there. It's a home ownership plan that takes patience. It's a home ownership plan that takes building up to. The American dream is not to own a home. The American dream is to make smart financial moves that put you in a good, safe position, a position of being on offense, not on defense, and then buying your dream home because of those smart financial moves. This way, you'll wake up in 20 or 30 years and you'll be in the perfect scenario instead of struggling because you fell for this urban legend that you should rush out and buy a home as soon as humanly possible. Listen, our parents, our teachers, everybody that advised us to do this, they meant well when they told us to rush out and buy a home. I know I, I took the advice and I did it. And we made money on a couple homes and lost money on a ton of homes. But I will tell you this, if you do it with patience in the way that I just described, that is the foolproof way of one day eventually owning your own home, but being in a much, much better position. Don't fall for the fool's gold. Don't let your ego get in the way and feel like you're failing if you're renting and somebody else next to you is, is owning that home. You can laugh all the way to the bank when you have the flexibility of a set budget and you're putting the difference away and starting to buy some income-producing properties. And if you love advice like this, I'm telling you, you have to go check out my Money Principles course. I give you earth-shattering examples of how to radically change your financial outlook and what you think and the moves that you make with your money that are like this only times 100. So go check that out at thetruthaboutmoney.com. Again, go check out that course. It's priced really cheap so anyone can afford it at thetruthaboutmoney.com. And all of my podcast listeners get $50 off that course, bringing it down to only $199 at thetruthaboutmoney.com if you use the coupon code MONEY. All of my listeners, only you guys, get $50 off, bringing it down to $199 to learn lessons like this in detail, along with all the other ones that we live by at thetruthaboutmoney.com. Go take that course and hit me up on my DMs on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. I love hearing about your breakthroughs and let me know what you thought about this episode. I know it's a controversial one, but when you follow advice like this, that's when your finances start to catch fire, baby. And when that happens, you know, when good people make good money, they do great things. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.